Welcome back to another episode of the Zach and Jack Sports Betting Podcast. We are three guys sharing our insight and analysis related to college football and the NFL. Every episode, we put our money where our mouth is by sharing our locks of the week, and we record and discuss those plays throughout the course of the season. Today is November 28th, 2020. It is just past midnight right now, so we are coming at you guys on no sleep to put out some quality content before college football begins on Saturday morning. There's not much time before we lose your focus, so let's go ahead and get right into it this week. I'm Zach. I am Jack. And I'm Keith. Welcome back, gentlemen. Hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. Let's go ahead and keep this episode rolling. To recap the holiday slate of football games on Thanksgiving Day in the early slot, Zach parlayed Texans' money line versus the Detroit Lions and the Steelers' money line in the postponed game versus the Ravens. Yeah, this game made me a, a little bit nervous when the Lions came out and scored first. After the J.J. Watt pick six, all my worries were pretty much laid to rest. They followed that play up with a fumble on the very next play Detroit did. It definitely wasn't the prettiest game, but I never had any doubts really that the Lions would once again lose on Thanksgiving and disappoint their fan base. Yeah, I really enjoyed this game in the outcome. I won a decent amount of money on this. I think it was unnecessary. Pulling out the flea flicker in the fourth quarter, already up big, just to rub it in. But it was a beautiful play, and I know it helped some of us in fantasy as well. So Texans covered that no problem, won the game outright, which is all I needed for this parlay. It felt good to watch that open up Thanksgiving. Yeah, buddy. It was a good fantasy day for me. I have Notre Dame's own Will Fuller and Deshaun Watson on one of my fantasy teams. I also hit on a DraftKings teaser, Brandon Cooks, over 68 and a half receiving yards and the Texans to win at plus 235. So that was a nice little Thanksgiving dessert for me. To the afternoon game, the Cowboys lost to the Washington FT 41 to 16. To continue their awful luck, both Cowboys offensive tackles were hurt on the team's first drive, including ND grad Zach Martin. If you haven't noticed the trend by now, winning out all the former ND players. The team had a number of injuries in the first half, though, and they ultimately crumbled after watching that awful halftime show. It really wasn't even close after that. Antonio Gibson had a stellar game. Speaking of fantasy, if you had him on your team, you're sitting pretty right now. Uh, But that kid, he's propelled himself into the Rookie of the Year conversation. I think it's still between probably Herbert and Justin Jefferson, if that. You know, don't sleep on Gibson from here on out. Also, huge story for Alex Smith coming back for the Washington football team. He's been playing pretty well as a quarterback. The night game, as we all know, between the Steelers and Ravens was postponed as more Ravens, including Lamar Jackson, came down with positive COVID-19 tests. As of the recording of this podcast, the game has been rescheduled for Tuesday night. Zach's second leg of his lock and my lock for that game will remain as long as this game is played in week 12 for the sake of continuity. The line is all the way up to seven and a half points. So if your book didn't kick back your bets, you got a good price on this lock. So I know DraftKings and some other places have canceled wagers that were from the Thursday game. I don't know why FanDuel's decided to leave theirs, but so be it. Hey, since I was at work most of Friday, could you guys catch me up on what I missed? I know Keith locked his alma mater in Notre Dame lane three and a half versus the Tar Heels. Getting that victory Friday afternoon must have been sweet. Yeah, before we get to that, let's just recap some of the other games. I actually looked at the Big Ten abomination known as Nebraska versus Iowa. It will never stop being hilarious that Scott Frost was one of the loudest voices screaming for the Big Ten to bring back football in the midst of a global pandemic. And he did all of this just for him to trot out that monstrosity that can only be defined as a football team in the very loosest definition of the term. But this team is so wayward, man. After going four and out and six and out on their first two drives and down 10-0, Scott Frost decided to bench his starting QB, 
Adrian Martinez in favor of Luke McCaffrey. Then after McCaffrey led the Huskers to two field goals to pull within seven, Scott Frost inexplicably went back to Martinez. To his credit, though, Martinez led a game-tying drive to go into halftime, and they had another score coming out of the half. But this Scott Frost-led inept abomination was blanked to the rest of the way, and Iowa skated by with a 26-20 victory. But once again, I cannot stress how bad this Big Ten football game was, but it was the only thing on, so, you know, I had it on in the background. Another Iowa team came through with Iowa State holding off versus Texas winning that game 23-20. to I thought that was pretty funny. Keith, you sent a video on Twitter of the fireworks going off as Texas missed the game-tying field goal. I wasn't able to catch our Liberty Flames in action. UMass didn't show up for the game either, so our Liberty Flames got a 45 to nothing victory. They bounced back from their loss to NC State last week in a big way. Liberty was a 35 and a half point favorite at game time. Moving on to the next game, UCF versus USF. USF had the ugliest jerseys of all time. Don't know what they were thinking. And that field in Tampa got destroyed with UCF ultimately holding on to win 58 to 46. Yeah, the Bulls were an eyesore in this one, and I'm not just talking about their play on the field. Those uniforms made by Adidas were, I don't really know how to describe them, but they were pretty much, you know, some kind of knockoff organ. They looked like Gerber baby food. You know, that's a great way to describe it. They looked like Gerber baby food. They played like it too, so, you know. Uh, moving along, we had a, a little bit of a weekday action, even though it was on Friday this week instead of Tuesday and Wednesday, with Eastern Michigan blowing it late. Central Michigan came back and scored 17 points in the final four and a half minutes with the help of two Eastern Michigan turnovers deep in their own territory to win 31-23. to Maction, baby. We love it. Action, baby. Yeah, Eastern Michigan coloring their field like coal, really embracing the true spirit of the Midwest. So all the games pretty much played out how we expected. Wyoming also came through with a win over UNLV. The only upset of the day was the final game of the night in the Pac-12 with Oregon State coming back to beat Oregon. Fell asleep at halftime of this game. Holy shit. The last two minutes were just so bad with Oregon State ultimately going up to score a touchdown. The field with the fog was kind of cool looking. Kind of gave it this eerie, more dramatic rivalry feel to it, which I kind of liked. But that was the only upset of the day. Pretty much all the other games played out how we predicted. I unfortunately missed that game as well i used to follow oregon state a little bit just because of some of the players that i like to watch there take note of their running back jamar jefferson aka munchie this guy's the real deal and he's going to be the next great kind of out of nowhere oregon state product to be lighting it up on sundays where does he get the nickname munchie from i did not research that I guess with all drugs being decriminalized in Oregon, it only makes sense. Yeah, Munchie actually set a school record for this particular rivalry game. He had 29 carries for 226 yards and two scores. So this kid can tote the rock. And this rivalry's played, I think, like 124 times, which is just absolutely ridiculous to think about. So to break a record after that many games, it's got to mean something, right? I know the Pac-12 doesn't mean much, but... Absolutely. It also does pretty much eliminate the Pac-12 from contention for the playoff. So I guess good job, Oregon State. Thank God. We didn't need that back anyway. I'm glad we're all on the same page there. <laughs> Moving to the other coast, the ACC. Keith locked up Notre Dame laying three and a half this week, who easily covered in a 31-17 to victory of the Tar Heels. That game was kind of shaky at first. That first quarter definitely looked like the over was going to hit. Keith, I know you want to say your piece about this game and your alma mater. 
Yeah, the 14-14 first quarter, man, it looked like it was going to be a track meet the whole way. But uh, despite the 14-point finish, this one was really tough for the Irish. A couple of third and long conversions, one of which was a targeting foul. They got stud safety Kyle Hamilton injected. Really extended UNC's drive late in the first half. Fortunately, ND defensive coordinator Clark Lee pitched a shutout in the second half, and the good guys won by two touchdowns. The final one coming with a minute 20 left in the game and sealing up a W in the lock column for you, boy. Notre Dame ultimately came through. It doesn't matter if you got three and a half, four and a half, or five and a half. They covered all of those. So, did I see correctly that that over under closed at seventy one? Is that right? Did you guys catch that? I saw it somewhere around sixty eight to seventy. Pretty high. I saw it some points though during the first quarter. If you live bet it, it was as high as like eighty nine and a half. So, wow, <laughs> would have thought pretty crazy so for our one lock that actually finished up and didn't get postponed keith going six three and one on the year now with his locks of the week betting on his alma mater in the notre dame fighting irish just real quick before we move along um i definitely said the good thing about recording a shorter episode last week that there was zero chance any of our games would get canceled kind of funny that ultimately the ravens and steelers game has been moved like three or four times and it definitely seems like the nfl is doing some kind of shady shit with knowing that lamar jackson might have been patient zero for the ravens they're trying to get him to have a negative test play a game on thursday nfl kind of questioning your covid protocol from this point on but i digress it is nice we do get a tuesday game this week i know the steelers aren't happy about that but let's go ahead and move into what you're all really here for and here are our college football locks of the week for this saturday zach a little continuity for the podcast i know we talked last week about a couple of particular teams and how they were playing and what we're expecting in the future what is your college football lock for this saturday Yes, we did, Jack. And it's funny you mentioned that. We talked about Syracuse last week. We talked NC State a little bit last week. I am going to that game. I'm locking up NC State at minus 14 and a half at Syracuse Saturday morning. Lock it up. NC State's six and three overall. They're also six and three against the spread. The Wolfpack's fresh off a victory against the previously unbeaten podcast Darling Liberty. They also have two wins this year in which they won by 15 points or more. On the other hand, you have Syracuse. We've talked a little bit about them. You know the lovable losers that Keith inexplicably locked to cover just a week ago against the subpar at best Louisville team. Of course, Syracuse got shut out 30 to nothing. Yeah, there's nothing lovable about them. <laughs> this very same one and eight Orange Boys team, they already have six, yes, six losses by 15 points or more and another 14 point loss to boot. They're a straight dumpster fire, much like Justin Herbert's haircut and my lock record. Not sure what else even needs to be said. Just lock up NC State to cover minus 14 and a half. Easy money. I'm not as confident in the 14 and a half personally, just because Syracuse's quarterback who started the past two weeks, he definitely has a possibility of getting benched. If his replacement comes in, they might actually outperform. Definitely do like NC State to win this game 100% of the time. 14 and a half, definitely possible, looking good. Uh, Zach has actually been doing a lot better in terms of his college football locks as of late. I'm seven and nine overall. I was the only one with a win last week and it was a college game. So you may be able to trust me on this one. Lock it up, boys. NC State land 14 and a half at Syracuse on Saturday morning. So you've heard from myself and Zach for college football locks. Jack, what do you got? Guys, my college football lock for this week is a game that got added late. I'm going just a few miles up the road to Boulder, Colorado, and I am locking up the Colorado Buffaloes laying three points versus the San Diego State Aztecs. This game is at 3 p.m. local time on the Pac-12 network, and I think CU Boulder has been slightly underrated this year. They do play in the Pac-12, so that should say enough, but they are 2-0 in conference play and 2-0 against the spread so far this season. SDSU is 3-2, albeit facing what I consider lesser competition with wins versus Hawaii, Utah 
State and UNLV. The numbers behind this lock say it all. Colorado is getting 59% of the bets in the short amount of time that this game has been scheduled and a whopping 99% of the money. I know the Chargers don't play in San Diego anymore, guys, but let's face it. San Diego teams are known to fall apart at the end of games. I expect this to be a relatively high-scoring game, but CU should lock up the victory by at least a field goal. Get it while it's hot, boys. CU minus three versus SDSU. Lock it up. So I guess that about wraps it up for our college football slate. Whoa, 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 Pete, you're not going to pick another college game? What is wrong with you? You're just going to ride Indy into the sunset? you damn right I am. <laughs> all right, that's fair, that's fair. As long as we all get at least one college game, one NFL game, I can't be upset, guys. Yeah, so moving right along into the NFL, uh, do we have any action on the early games? Zach already had a little two-leg parlay for Thanksgiving. I'm going to keep up their tradition, and I'm going to also ride with the two-leg parlay for Sunday. I am locking two bottom feeder money lines facing none other than two other bottom feeders, Cleveland money line minus 300 versus Jacksonville, and the Giants money line minus 250 versus Cincinnati. Combine these teams to win together, and you're looking at minus 115 odds. Lock it up, boys. My rationale behind both of these games is simple. Uh, you got two playoff contending teams. Kind of weird to say because the Giants are doo-doo, but you got two playoff teams that are facing two teams officially in tank mode with their starting quarterbacks unavailable. Joey Burrow, we forgot to mention on our news segment last episode, going down for the rest of the year. Zach, real quick, I know you really wanted to bring that up. I did. I I have some sort of emotional attachment to him. I think it's deeply rooted in you and I watching almost all of LSU's games last season on their way to the national championship. He's got the it factor. He's got the swagger. He's got the charisma. He's got everything you need on top of the skill and talent to be a face of the NFL for years to come. When he got hurt, it was kind of devastating. It was it was tough to watch. I've seen plenty of injuries. None of them quite hit like Joe Burrows did for some odd reason. Uh, again, I have no attachment to the Bengals, no attachment to LSU, anything like that, but it was almost inevitable the way their line had been playing this year it was a tough scene and then it's come out that his acl and mcl were both torn that's obviously a huge loss for the Bengals. can't wait to see joe burrow back as soon as possible hopefully next year prayers up to joey b jack i just want to stop you real quick did you just call the seven and three cleveland browns bottom feeder I did. Even though the Browns are 7-3, and three, just like the Pittsburgh Steelers, they're overrated in my mind. Look at the three games they lost this year. Losing to the Raiders, 16-6. to six. Losing to the Ravens in Week 1. I know it's a long time ago, and a huge deficit, 38-6 to six in that game. And they also lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers, 38-7. to seven. They played mostly teams in the NFC East, getting some of their wins versus, like, the Cowboys and the Eagles. I don't think the Browns are that good. 7-3, overrated, bottom feeders. They'll be lucky to get out of the wild card round of the playoffs if they even make it fraud alert on Cleveland Browns, perhaps? They're going to win versus the Bengals, don't get me wrong, but they are not good. You heard it here first. And with OBJ being out this year, they only have so many weapons. I can't even disagree with that. Until the Browns prove to me that they're a decent team, I will not believe it. So, Keith, you did bypass a Saturday college football lock since you did have Notre Dame on Friday, but we do got to get some NFL action for you this week. You embarrassed yourself by taking the Vikings to cover versus Dallas a couple weeks ago. Any chance of redemption this weekend? Yeah, you know, after that embarrassing performance, I was really thinking about just crawling into my little hole and fading the NFL this week, taking my 1-0 victory, you know, keeping my record where it's at. So I'm a little bit gun-shy about locking the NFL, but I did see a line this week that I am having a lot of difficulty passing up, and so I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there as my lock. That is the Las Vegas Raiders minus three against the Atlanta Falcons. The 6-4 and four Raiders this year are currently 7-3 and three against the spread. They lost a heartbreaker last week against the Kansas City Chiefs that denied them a season sweep against the 
the prohibitive favorite to win the Super Bowl, so you know they're charged up, really come out and prove themselves this week. So this is really shaping up to be a Las Vegas Raiders beatdown. Vegas minus three, lock it up, boys, versus the Atlanta Falcons. Keith isn't going to bet on both of his teams taking the Saints, so he's just going to bet against our biggest rival going against the Falcons, which I'm perfectly okay with. you damn right, man. Every week I want to see the Falcons lose, and any week that the Falcons do lose is a good week in my book, so let's just roll with it. The Raiders have looked pretty good this season, too, so to think that they're only a three-point favorite at Atlanta is actually kind of surprising. I really do like that line. The Falcons could do Falcons things, though, win some games that don't matter. The Raiders are going to come out, and they're going to tear them up in this one, I think, so good pick. The Raiders are certified hot frauds, unlike the Browns. That Raiders offense is potent. Their defense has been playing not bad this year. Um, And I honestly don't think that Derek Carr gets the respect that he deserves. I mean, I've been on the Derek Carr bandwagon for a few years now. I, I think this Raiders team really has it figured out going forward. And I think they'll push for the playoffs this year. And I won't go as far as to say that they'll do anything significant in the postseason this year. That game actually opened up as a pick on. Clearly, people are expecting the Raiders to be the team to win more likely than not versus the Falcons. So... Three points seems pretty favorable. Uh, Lock it up, guys. Yeah, as we said last week, bet the favorites early and bet the dogs late. Kind of bummed that I didn't jump on this one sooner than I did. But that being said, I think the Raiders got this in the bag by more than a field goal. I'd agree with you there. Anyways, moving along, part of Zach's Turkey Day two-leg parlay was postponed in the Steelers and Ravens game. But Zach, do you want to go ahead and give us another Sunday NFL lock this week? Yeah, Jack, I do. Given that my parlay is still incomplete until at least Tuesday and it may end up just going to the straight Texans money line win which is good you know we'll take it if that's what happens but I couldn't resist locking up another play for the NFL on Sunday so I have a little bit more action and no doubt I'm ready to be hurt again so this Sunday I'm going to sunny Tampa Bay Florida where the Buccaneers are hosting the Kansas City Chiefs I'm not picking a side in this game I'm gonna take the over over 56 lock it up i know that may sound high but here's my reason three of the last four chiefs games have hit the over four of the last five bucks games have also gone over the chiefs defense has allowed 31 points in back-to-back games now the bucks defense is reeling as well particularly in the secondary where jamel dean loses track of his receivers like jackson loses track of his bets now on the other side of the ball the chiefs have the highest scoring offense in football of course 32 points a game the bucks are sixth in the league in that category with 29 points a game these offenses they can score and they can score quick add those two points per game totals together and you'll probably get over 56 i don't know you can ask the notre dame grad about that since this is an afternoon game it's not going to be past tom brady's bedtime so that's not going to be an issue good weather in tampa bay expect the shootout and the bucks are going to try to get back on track and into the conversation as one of the top teams in the nfl once again this is going to be a hyped up game i expect a lot of points i'm taking the over 56 locked it up as we said earlier, UCF and USF did play at this stadium on Friday afternoon. Maybe they can keep up the high scoring that went on in that game. The caveat is, can they get that field resurfaced in quick enough time for Sunday? Because those dudes tore it up all day. I've got to agree with you on a lot of this, especially the part about me making bets and not remembering. But the Chiefs passing defense has looked kind of raggedy, and the Buccaneers secondary as well has looked kind of raggedy too. So as we saw last week, as Keith briefly mentioned, Chiefs coming back to beat the Raiders in a pretty high-scoring game. Expect Tommy B to rebound. He's had a bad past couple of weeks throwing the ball deep. So at some point, Mike Evans has to come down with something. Chiefs, Bucks over 56. I like it, Zach. 
All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for our locks for this week. Before we go, I know this episode is probably going to be a little bit shorter as well, but we wanted to make sure to get it out in time for the kickoffs for Saturday morning. Any other games that we like this week? There's a couple money line favorites that I'm really liking on Saturday. Do with them as you please. But Zach, any games that you're liking for Saturday besides the one that you locked up? Yeah, Jack, I do like a few other lines. Boston College minus one and a half against Louisville is a little bit intriguing to me. This started, I think, as a pick and it's gone all the way to minus one and a half. It might even creep a little bit further into Boston College's direction as they are the home team in this game. And Kent State is plus seven and a half against Buffalo. That offense is an absolute unit. So I think Buffalo is a good team, but I definitely could see Kent State covering that. I'm going to be watching all the action. I'm going to be watching Western Michigan, of course. I do have them parlayed in a couple of the money line and then I do have an over in that game as well parlayed. Yeah, there's definitely some lines I like. A couple games that I like, uh, Georgia Southern had a couple players arrested for drug charges earlier in the week, allegedly. allegedly. I like them still to beat Georgia State, currently a one and a half point dog. I think that game should be pretty interesting. Over 52, I'm kind of leaning towards as well. Florida versus Kentucky, locked that up. Probably pretty bad odds, minus 2,500. Triple C's, Coastal Carolina play Texas State. Shuns. Coastal's on the road as a 17 and a half point favorite. Uh, kind of a widespread for me. I don't, I'm not really favoring that as much. Coastal's probably going to win this game, but uh, Texas State offense has looked pretty interesting to me. Over under in that game is 58 and a half, and I'm leaning towards the over in that. Triple C is they're probably not losing to Texas State, who's two and nine on the year, but Texas State offense has put up some points in a couple games. So I would like to see the Shots play a little bit of a different type of ball game than they played versus App State last week, where they did score over 30. So. Also, this is the lead into the coveted Liberty Coastal Carolina matchup following week, so be ready. Troy plays Appalachian State 6 and 2, who actually fell last week to Coastal Carolina. App State is a 13 and a half point favorite. Probably one of the spreads that I'm most favoring. App State, they've come along over the past couple of weeks. They've let some teams hang around later than they probably should, but I think they're going to be mad after losing to Coastal last week and they're going to come out and destroy the Troy Trojans. So, those are most of the games that I'm liking. Keith, a couple games that you're eyeballing that you're kind of leaning towards all the games that i've got action on we've already touched on so as not to be redundant i'll just skip over those uh one thing i do want to point out ohio state illinois got canceled late friday night that puts ohio state at two cancellations on the year and if they have one more then they are eliminated from big 10 championship consideration uh, by virtue of not having played enough games however with having only played five games they're still eligible to be picked for the college football playoffs so there might be some controversy Bruin. If Michigan is below the limit for scholarship players for their game on December 12th for the big game that Jim Harbaugh never wins, then Ohio State might be out of the running for the Big Ten. So that'll be an interesting storyline to keep track of. Should uh, lead to some interesting controversy as well for Big Ten futures if people have Ohio State. So I'm sure the books will have uh, enough problems on their hands. You know, they've, they've already been dealing a lot with games being canceled and postponed and how to go about that. So it only makes sense to roll it over into the futures issues. So that's a nice little point to add. And we're one cancellation away from an Indiana Northwestern Big Ten championship game. So look out for that, fellas. That would be the most 2020 thing ever. And also, guys, we have breaking news. Dabo Sweeney just tweeted out. Oh, no. Dr. Dabo. Ohio State is scared of Clemson in the college football playoff. He appears to be just absolutely livid that Ohio State is letting stupid little virus stop them from playing and eventually facing Clemson in the college football playoff. 
I really don't know if you're joking or not. I don't think Davo has Twitter. I've definitely made it up. Oh, okay. At this point, everybody who's caught COVID is ducking Davo Swinney and Clemson, at least in his mind. That's all I got to say about that. Eagles five-point dog to the Seahawks on Monday night. I think Jalen Hurts should get a chance to start for the Eagles. That would be interesting. For whatever reason, the Eagles are more up Carson Wentz's ass than Sean Payton is for Taysom Hill. So any uh, NFL lines that you guys are leaning towards besides the ones we've already mentioned? The only one I see that we haven't touched on yet that I'm interested in maybe betting on Sunday morning is the total in the Chargers-Bills game. This is in Buffalo. I'll have to check the weather, but over 52 and a half. Neither of these defenses have been very good this year. The Bills defense has definitely regressed from last year. The Chargers defense is very sus. Herbert's slinging the rock all over the field. Josh Allen is too if he's playing bad defenses. So I think that'll be a track meet. I could definitely see over 52 and a half being a good play there. Real quick, I also do like the Panthers money line versus the Minnesota Vikings plus 165. Panthers have uh, played surprisingly well, even without Christian McCaffrey or Teddy Bridgewater. So Vikings are going to lose to the Cowboys. They definitely can lose to the Panthers. Keith, any uh, anything else that you're kind of looking at or nah? No, I was reluctant to lock the Raiders. You know, I just wanted to skate by on my one and zero record and just slowly build up that lock record again uh but the nfl it's really tough to call this week so i'm i'm sticking with just the raiders and that's all i got for this week episode 11 is in the books should be hitting your ears saturday morning if you want to keep up with what we're up to in between episodes keep up with us on twitter and instagram at znjsb podcast we post all of our locks of the week prior to game time we are also available on the action sports app where we do the same after only getting one lock completely out of the way 21 21 and one through our first 10 episodes with a couple of pending locks we will come back to you probably on wednesday or thursday after the luckily scheduled tuesday night game between the steelers and ravens commences thanks again for listening guys really appreciate it triple c's get it on saturday saints get it on sunday i'm zach i'm jack and i'm keith and that's gonna do it for us may all your best prosper peace deuces